Hello and welcome to Camel Screen Guild Players from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild Players. Screen Guild play tonight, Ball of Fire. The starring players... This is Paulette Goddard. And this is Kay Kaiser. <laughs> and this is Richard Hyden. <laughs> tonight, Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild players in one of the most uproarious comedies of this or any other year. Samuel Goldwyn, smash farce, Ball of Fire, starring lovely Paulette Goddard as the Ball of Fire, Richard Hyden as Professor Oddly, and as Professor Potts, that great romantic lover, Kay Kaiser. Professor Bertram Potts is only 35 years old, but for the past nine years, he has been living in a dormitory with several dry as dust and gone to seed 60-year-olds, seriously working at compiling an encyclopedia. Their complete isolation has given the group a marvelous opportunity to concentrate and got out of touch with the world, particularly in the case of Professor Potts, whose specialty is English. Potts had just completed his encyclopedia article on slang when he discovered that 23 skidoo was definitely old hat, and the article had to be rewritten. So Potts took his umbrella and rubbers and went out into the big, bad world looking for language. As our play begins, Potts is safely back in the dormitory and telling his co-fuddy-duddies of his experiences while searching for slang. Well, fellow professors, I just couldn't believe that I was here in the English language. I, I simply couldn't understand my fellow Americans. Uh, uh, still, Professor Potts, it must have been fun to get out of the library for a while. <laughs> Amusement was not my goal, Professor Audley. It was merely a coincidence that uh, the most likely places for me to overhear living slang was at a nightclub and a baseball game. Well, uh, who won the ball game, Professor Potts? Well, I'm sure I don't know, but someone smeared the apple for a two-ply poke. Oh, really? oh uh, that's uh, very interesting, very interesting. Uh, mm. What does it mean? Well, I haven't the slightest idea. However, I've invited several of the most picturesque speakers I encountered to help me in compiling my new article on slang. Uh, they will arrive at 10 tomorrow morning. Uh, what about the nightclub, Potts? Oh, it was there, Professor Robinson, that I found the person with the most bizarre vocabulary, Miss Sugarpuss O'Shea. She has an inexhaustible fund of slang. Oh, uh, was she blonde or brunette? Oh, I couldn't say. I, 
I do remember, though, that she told me to shove in my clutch and scram. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> that sounds very unfriendly. Oh, not at all, not at all. As a matter of fact, Sugar Puss was very friendly. Just as I was leaving her dressing room, she told me that I was one of the nicest jerks she had ever met. Uh, what's a jerk? Well, I'm not positive, but it apparently describes me. It, uh, it could be a slang expression, meaning a professor. Well, uh, that is a distinct possibility, oddly. Uh, well, in uh, that event, we are quite a group of jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed we are, Professor Oddly. Indeed we are. Uh, what was it like backstage, Potts? <laughs> Did Sugarpuss wear tights? Well, I didn't notice. As I've tried to explain to you, my trip to the nightclub was all in the interest of science. Who in the world could be ringing our doorbell at this time of night? It might be a special delivery letter. Yes, or a telegram. Well, open the door, Potts, and see what it is. Hi, ho Professor. Howdy-ho! Why, Miss Sugarpuss! Greetings, Gate. Let's educate. Say, what's cooking? Cooking? I don't smell anything. Oddly, have you been preparing yourself a midnight snack? Oh, me? Oh, oh do you know? Oh, let it go. Let it go. Who are the zombies? Oh, I beg your pardon. Miss Sugarpuss O'Shea, these are my colleagues. <laughs> Hello, characters. Take five. Oh, Miss O'Shea, gentlemen never take money from women. Forget it, forget it. Say, who decorated this joint? That mug that shot Lincoln? Oh, this is our workroom. This is solid murder. Let's start the joint jumping. Get on the beam, characters. Light the front burner. Come on, let's get to work. What? Oh, oh but I, I, I wouldn't think of imposing on you at this time of night. We must wait until morning. Well, you're pitching, Mr. Nothing by Nothing. <laughs> Why, I, I beg your pardon. Well, zoot my suit and read my pleat and skip it. Well, it was awfully nice of you to stop by, Miss Sugarpuss, and you made it. But now, <laughs> if you'll permit me, I'd better bid you good night. Okay, good night. Where do I sleep? Where do you sleep? Well, where's your home? Up on Riverside Drive, but uh, I'm going to sleep here. Uh, you? Oh, um, she could sleep in my room. Professor Oddly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, could, I could sleep with Professor Puff. I always do when there's an electrical storm. <laughs> oh, well, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to throw anyone out of their bed. I'll sleep here in the library on the Davenport. Well, that might be better. Solid murder, Jackson. And now if you'll take your gang upstairs, I'll grab some shut-eye. Well, certainly, Miss O'Shea. Okay. Come, gentlemen. Well, uh, good night, Miss O'Shea. Oh, uh, if there's anything you need, just call us, Miss O'Shea. Where's the telephone? Oh, uh, near the door leading into the hall. Good night. Good night. Good night. How did I ever get in this joint? Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. Hello? Hello, Asthma. Yeah, Shuggy? Yeah. I finally talked this bunch of characters into letting me stay here. Good. Now stay there, for God's sake, till me and Pastrami picks you up. The D.A. grabbed Joe Lilock half hour ago. I still can't believe that Joe Lilock's mixed up in the murder. Well, you know how it is, Shuggy. The D.A.'s been laying for Joe a long time. He framed him. Yes, but why do I have to hide out? Because they found a pair of them pajamas you bought, Joe, right near the victim's body. Uh-oh. You know them with the big J.L. monogram? Mm-hmm. Well, once the cops get a hold of you, well, they can prove them pajamas belong to Joe. Right now, they just suspect it. Well, don't forget where you parked me. Shuggy, that's one thing you don't need to worry about. Good. Listen, I better ring off now. I gotta get up in the morning and spout slang for this professor. Good night. Good night. <laughs>
Miss O'Shea, I'm very grateful to you for your most illuminating dissertation. However, uh, there is one word, the meaning of which still eludes me. That word is uh, corny. What does that mean? Well, uh, kind of hick, loose tooth, you know, like the old professor. Oh, do you mean Professor Oddly? No, no, Professor K. Kaiser, you know, on the radio. <laughs> Evening, folks. How y'all? I'm afraid I never heard of him. Could you give me a more specific example of something corny? When a guy comes to see a girl and says, let's turn off the light, it hurts my eyes, that's corn. Oh, I see. The implication being that the fella was trying to pull some hoity-toy. Boy, you're mellow as a cello, but you're catching on, Professor. And now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go and give the other professors a conga lesson. Conga lesson? Now, Miss O'Shea, our understanding when you came here three days ago was that our relationship would be strictly scientific. All right, scientists, keep it that way. Mm -hmm. I if I ever get out of this dump, I don't know. Hey, Shuggy. Who's that? Me. <laughs> Asthma. Well, it's about time. I thought you had amnesia and forgot where you parked me. You said it was for one night. Now, listen, babe, you're hot as a pistol. The DA's got a hundred guys out looking for you. Okay, you wait here. I'll get my things together in two seconds flat. Now, wait a second. If you leave here, the cops will pick you up and Joe will be on his way to the hot seat. So then what are you doing here? Well, I came here to talk for Joe. Oh. Shuggy. <laughs> He wants to marry you. Joe wants to marry me? Yeah, him and the lawyer figured it out. You see, if you're married to Joe, you can't testify against him. You mean it took the DA to make him pop the question? Oh, uh, yeah. He sent you a very tender love message, though. He said to tell you he gets more laughs out of you than any dame he ever knew. Oh, that's Joe, all right. Never gets too sloppy. Yeah. You know, the wedding's got to be a fast one, though. Over in Jersey someplace. You'll get the final dope on where to meet us tomorrow morning. Joe will call you around 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Now, meantime, Shuggy, don't leave this house. Oh. Uh, send for me, Professor Potts. Yes, Miss O'Shea. Circumstances over which neither of us has control forced me to ask you to leave. Wait a minute. Did you say leave? Immediately. Oh, but you can't throw me out. Wait a minute. What about the slang? Uh, you don't know what this means. I'll get you on the Donamichi. Donamichi? No. A Donamichi is a telephone on account of because he invented it. Oh, very interesting. And make no mistake, I shall regret the absence of your keen mind. Unfortunately, it's inseparable from an extremely disturbing body. Well, of course, some people have said that little sugar is 112 pounds of quite all right. That's just it. No one's allowed that much sugar. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll leave sometime tomorrow. No, right away. Oh, but I can't. That is, I... Popsy, look at me. Look, why do you think I came here in the first place? To assist in the research. No, I didn't. I came on account of you. Me? On account of... On account of I couldn't stop thinking about you, Popsy. After you left my dressing room, and on account of I thought you were clumsy and cute and pretty. Pretty? Maybe I'm crazy, but to me, you're a regular yum-yum type. Yum-yum? We never got to that. Well, we've got to it now, and now that you're throwing me out anyway, I can tell you that I'm wacky about you. I'm just plain wacky. 
Have you ever been with a whack before? No, but uh, no, but I've been close to a couple of waves. Come here. <laughs> Come here to me, you great big academic Casanova. Uh, please, please, Miss O'Shea. What are you going to do? I'm going to show you what yum yum is. Bend down. Mm-hmm. Now, here's yum. <laughs> and here's another yum. <laughs> and here's yum yum. Well, what do you think of that? <laughs> No, Lucky Strike Green has gone to war. And so the curtain falls on Act One of Ball of Fire, starring Kay Kaiser, Paulette Goddard, and Richard Hyden. During our intermission... The spotlight moves to Lady Esther, who incidentally has a word for you about spotlights. Do you remember Eva Tangway, the actress who became famous a few years ago singing a song called, I Don't Care, I Don't Care? Well, there was one thing Eva Tangway did care about very much, especially later in her career. She was fussy about the spotlight that was thrown on her face. It had to be soft and subdued so that it wouldn't show up the lines in her skin would not betray to her audience that she was getting older. Yes, Eva Tangway, like all great actresses, knew the importance of lighting on her face, knew the great difference it could make in her appearance. And you know, certain shades of face powder, like certain colored spotlights, can make a woman look older, too. Any makeup artist will tell you that some shades of powder can put years on your face. And he'll tell you that other shades can do just the opposite, can make your skin look much fresher, to make your skin look younger. Now, the shades of Lady Esther face powder are unusually flattering because of the way my powder is made. You see, the color is blown into my powder, blown in by hurricanes instead of being just mixed in. That makes the shades richer and more beautiful than ordinary powder shades. I wish I could tell you the best shade of Lady Esther face powder for your skin and your coloring, but I can't do that. The only way is to try the nine different shades right on your own skin, before your own mirror, and see for yourself just which shade is the most flattering. Obviously, you can't buy nine boxes of powder, so here's what I'll do. Send me your name and address on a penny postcard, <clears throat> and I'll send you by return mail nine different shades of Lady Esther face powder and a generous tube of Lady Esther for-purpose face cream. There's no cost. It's just my way of helping you find your lucky shade. But be sure you write to me tonight. All the address you need is Lady Esther, Chicago. I'm sorry, but Canadian wartime restrictions don't permit me to make this offer to residents of Canada. When Sugarpuss gave Professor Potts that last yum, Pottsy went off his nut. 
He went out and bought an engagement ring and asked Sugarpuss to marry him. And he did it with such sincerity that Sugarpuss didn't have the heart to say no or tell him that she was due to marry a murdering gangster named Joe Lilac. As a matter of fact, Sugarpuss began to realize that Potsy had his points, despite his low blood pressure. As the curtain rises on the second act, A Ball of Fire, starring Paulette Goddard as Sugarpuss O'Shea, Kay Kaiser as Professor Bertram Potts, and Richard Hyden as Professor Oddly, it's the next morning, and Sugarpuss is waiting for a phone call from the gangster, Joe Lila. Now, why does everything have to happen to me? I worked for ten years trying to make something of myself, finally get Joe Lilac to pop the question, and then, like a moron, I have to fall in love with an English professor who makes 3200 a year. Oh, go ahead and ring. If you hadn't made me come here in the first place, I wouldn't be in this mess. So keep your receiver on. I'm coming. Hello. Hello, Shuggy. It's Joe. I know. Why, Shuggy, what's the matter? Ain't you glad you're getting a chance to marry me? I don't know whether I am or not. What? Hey, you ain't falling for any of them professors, are you? What if I am? It wouldn't be good, Shuggy, for you or the professors. You know, I gotta get married to you so the DA can't make you testify against me. Oh, I see. Say, you're really quite a guy, Joe. Well, I think ahead. Now, listen, some way you gotta talk them professors into driving you over to Jersey. That's where I am. Why can't I take a bus? Because the cops are watching for you. Make them long hairs drive you down here. Yes, I don't. If you don't, me or some of the boys will make certain you ain't in any condition to testify against me ever. You get it? Yes, I get it. Good. I don't take too long or I'll send some of the boys over to mess the professors up a little. So to encourage them. Leave the professors out of this. They haven't hurt you. <laughs> and not only haven't, they couldn't. Now get going, you hear me? I heard you, Joe. I heard you. As the only one of your associates who has been married, folks, I know whereof I speak. If you feel the need of any guidance, may I suggest that you well, turn to me? Well, thank you, Professor Audley. Uh, Genevieve, my wife, has been dead for some 24 years. But I have relived every moment of our happiness many times. My experience is entirely at your disposal, Potts, and now that you are engaged to Miss Sugarpuss. Well, really, Audley, I don't know how I to... judge uh, that I do not have to start with... Uh, Basic principles. <clears throat> uh, being, uh, being a botanist, I find an astonishing parallel between a woman's heart and the wind flower, or anemone nemorosa. <clears throat> uh, perhaps you know the plant. Sensitive and delicate, one rough, impetuous bee can completely destroy the bloom. Well, I'm much obliged, uh, Tenderness, darling. that is what I advocate. Tenderness. And uh, patience. Uh, Genevieve, my wife, uh, was a watercolorist. Uh, therefore, after the wedding reception, we went straight to the Catskills. <clears throat> we spent there a beautiful week, filled with uh, promise, and returned to New York with 14 excellent watercolors. Well, I certainly appre <laughs> I appreciate your and, interest, And uh, do me, please, but... I beg of you, be patient. I remember for three months, every time I bade... Uh, good night. I would kiss the palm of her little hand, uh, astonished at my own boldness. <laughs> <laughs> well, just a moment, Ollie. I, I recognize the beauty and delicacy of the relationship you described, but uh, I'm afraid I'm a lot bolder than you are. Yes. I'm a man in love. 
I want to crush her in my arms. Oh, my goodness. I think, I think of sugar puss every waking moment. Well, if our marriage had been postponed, I, I mean, should be, I mean, were to be... Now, listen to that, Oddly. I don't know my tenses anymore. I've gone goofy, slap-happy. I, I can't keep my mind on the anemone... Anemone, sir. Uh, thank you. Or rough, impetuous bees, either. I couldn't even wait for 14 excellent watercolors. Now, what do you think of that? I think it's wonderful, Potsy, just wonderful. You think it... What? Did you hear me talking to Audley? Every word of it, Potsy. I couldn't help it. Oh, you, you'll have to forgive me. Oh, don't apologize, Potsy. It was, it was illuminating. Come here, you great big yum-yum. Ooh, 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 dear me. Well, what are you worrying about? It's my blood pressure. Enjoy yourself, Potsy. That's a goodbye kiss. Goodbye? Well, where are you going? Over to Jersey to see a dog about a man. Of course, if you don't want to... T- Tell me. Well, I don't. Then you you mean that you and I are not going to be married? I'm afraid not, Potsy. And and you don't feel that you owe me an explanation? Sure I do, but I'm not going to give you one. Goodbye, Potsy. I could kill you for coming over here alone, Shuggy. Sure you could. Why don't you? After all, you're Joe Lilac. I told you to have that bunch of professors drive you here. That's right, but I was too smart for you on that deal, Joe. I wasn't going to deliver those cherubs into your dirty hands. Okay, Weisenheimer. I'll take care of you after we're married. Begin at justice of the peace, Pastrami. Okay, boss. You're rushing things a little, Joe. Huh? Listen, I've changed my mind, Joe. I'm not going to marry you. You were right. I do love one of the professors, and I'm going to marry him or nobody. Well, isn't that sweet? You love one of the professors. Yes, I love him. He looks like a giraffe, and I love him. <laughs> I love him. I just love him because he's the kind that gets drunk on a glass of milk. I love the way he blushes and the way he doesn't know how to kiss a big goof. <laughs> you see, you see, I love him, Joe. I may never see him again, but I'm not going to marry you. Not if you tie a ton of cement around my neck and throw me into the East River like you did the others. Oh, then I guess maybe you better talk to your professor. I told you before, leave him out of this. Just imagine him on the bottom of the East River. You wouldn't like that to happen to him, would you, Sugarfoot? It ain't funny, McGee. Who said it's funny? I mean business. That is, if you don't say I do like a nice little bride... You can't do that, Joe. Too late, Shuggy. Some of the boys have already gone to pick up your professor. What are you trying to do? Put the screws on me? You said it. Right where it hurts the most. Right in the neighborhood of the heart. Well, I, I don't believe you, Joe. You wouldn't dare fool around with anyone who wasn't connected with some kind of a racket. Maybe talking to the boys on the phone will convince you. What do you mean? <laughs> Just phone the professor's house. Asma will tell you about it. I think you're bluffing. There's the phone. Find out for yourself. Hello? Who's that? Me. <laughs> Asma. <laughs> Asma, what are you doing at the professor's? Oh, a couple of us just dropped in on the boys uh, with our typewriters. What are you going to do? Well, that's up to the boss, Shuggy. We're just waiting for orders. Can we make a deal now, Shuggy? Sure we can, Brother Rat. Bring on your justice to the peace. Get away from me! Get away! What was that? Nothing, Joe. Everything's all right now. Now, Mr. Asman, this is your last chance. If you don't tell us where Miss Sugarpuss is being held, we'll be forced to torture you. Be forced 
tortured. Oh, go ahead. I've been given the third degree by experts. Yes, but you haven't been tortured by anyone as expert as Professor Robinson. He's not only an international authority on the subject, he's on the rationing board. Uh, he's practically a fiend. Is that so? Well, you can't scare me. Very well, then, Professor Robinson, proceed. Well, it, it's really very simple. Uh, one places this feather between the 12th and 13th vertebrae and whirls it rapidly. <laughs> Cut it out! You're tickling me! <laughs> hey, stop it! Stop it. <laughs> what are you trying to do? What are you killing me? <laughs> Stop it, I'll tell you anything. I'll tell you anything you want to know. <laughs> Are you sure this is the place, Asthma? <laughs> yes, this is it, Potts. You can see Miss Sugarpuss. She's standing with another man in front of uh, somebody who's performing a ceremony. I can hear what they're saying. Now repeat after me. I, Joseph Lilac. I, Joseph Lilac. Head of Murder Incorporated. Take thee, Catherine O'Shea. What about me, Catherine O'Shea? Are you crack. You want that professor of yours stuck in East River? No. Well, then get with it. I want the ceremony finished. I don't. What's that? Sounds like the cops are beating down the door. Cops, if they followed you here, I'll... Oh, uh, you're what, Mr. Lilac? Who are you? He's my guy, Potsy! Uh, Mr. Lilac, this is what is known as an upstick. Stick up, Potsy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, so what happens now? I'm about to deliver to you, Mr. Lilac, the beating of your life. You're going to give me a beating? Exactly. However, I feel I must warn you that for the past hour, I have been studying a book on how to become a commando. Well. <laughs> Ain't that wonderful? Well, in fairness to you, I feel that I must offer you an opportunity to read the book, too. I don't want to take an unsportsmanlike advantage. Well, now, that's mighty white of you, Professor. Let me see the book. Why, certainly... Oh. Oh, why, you rat, you hit him while he was trying to play fair. You dope. Oh, you, you took an unfair advantage of me, Mr. Lilac. Now I'm forced to use those punches I've been reading about. Okay, Putsy, but I warn you, this will only lead to bloodshed. <laughs> okay, Lilac, here I come, ready or not. Here I come. Oh, oh, this is known as a one-two, Mr. Lilac. And this is an uppercut. See page 23. Oh! Did you conquer the bounder, Potts? Did he conquer him? There he is on the floor, boys. Wrap him up and take him away. Yes, secure his hands and feet, gentlemen. Mr. Lilac is not an honorable man. Understatement just hit a new low. <laughs> we arrived in time to interrupt the ceremony, did we not? You not only interrupted it, you disintegrated it, if I know what I mean. It calls for a celebration. A primitive peoples customarily dance to celebrate victories. Mm, uh, that's an excellent idea. Uh, Miss Sugarpuss, would you lead us in that conga you were teaching us? Oh, I'd love to, Professor Oddly, but... If I remember correctly, Potsy threw me out of the house for teaching you that conga. Oh, but uh, he wouldn't know, I'm sure. He might even join us. <laughs> <laughs> Would you, Potsy? Would I? Come on, children. Yes, dance. <laughs> Kay Kaiser, Paulette Goddard, and Richard Hyden for your swell performances in our version of Ball of Fire, adapted for radio by Bill Hampton. You were all splendid. Thanks. <laughs>
Well, we all enjoyed it, Mr. Bradley. And we all look forward to our appearances with the Lady Esther Screen Guild players, for we know that all the benefits go to the support of the Motion Picture Relief Fund, which is very close to our hearts. In a moment, Kay Kaiser will tell you about the year's outstanding radio motion picture event, which will be, will be brought to you next week on this program. But first, here is a word from one of our best-known beauty authorities, Lady Esther. Thank you, Miss Goddard. I'd like to remind you of the offer I made a little while ago to help you find your most flattering shade of face powder. If you will send me your name and address on the back of a penny postcard, you will receive free all the nine exciting new shades of Lady Esther face powder. And with the nine shades of powder, I'll send you a generous tube of Lady Esther for-purpose face cream so that you can clean your skin thoroughly before trying each shade and so get the full value of its beauty. You know, one of those nine Lady Esther shades will be especially flattering to your skin. One of those shades will make your skin look unusually clear, fresh, and luminous. Well, that's the shade for you. That's your lucky shade. So don't delay until all the gift packages are gone. Write me tonight or first thing tomorrow morning for the nine different shades of Lady Esther face powder and a tube of Lady Esther for-purpose face cream. Remember that all the address you need is Lady Esther, Chicago. And now, Kay Kaiser. About this time each season, the editors of Red Book magazine select the outstanding motion picture of the year. Next week, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players proudly present this year's winning picture and also the presentation of the Red Book Award. You will hear Greer Garson, Walter Pidgeon, Dame Mae Whitty, Henry Wilcoxon, and Freddie Bartholomew in that great, heartwarming story, Mrs. Miniver. was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Next week, then, the Red Book Award winner, Mrs. Miniver, with Greer Garson and Walter Pidgeon. The Screen Guild players are presented by Lady Esther. This is Truman Bradley saying good night, and thank you. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.